NBA on NBC. What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the careers of former athletes and decide whether or not you're going to call to the hall. On today's podcast, we're doing a tribute to Bill Russell, who, of course, passed away on July 31st earlier this year at the age of 88. Now, I'm recording this in September. You might ask yourself, why? Why now? Why not right after? Well, when Bill Russell passed away back in July, I was actually, and for those of you that follow me on Twitter, listen to uh, last week's podcast, you know, I was in Africa. And on July 31st, I was actually on Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, so I no no phone reception whatsoever there. Uh, I come down the mountain. I, of course, check my cell phone once I can get on Wi-Fi. And the first thing I really see is text messages from a bunch of different people that, that Bill Russell had passed. And from for the next several hours and, and over the next several days, I I read everything I could uh, about the great Bill Russell. Uh, every article I could get my hands on, and, and there was plenty of them as as he deserved it because Bill Russell, not only was he one of the greatest basketball players of all time and, and the greatest winner in, in NBA history, but in those 88 years on earth, um, Bill Russell you know, was not only a winner in the NBA, but a, a pioneer in the NBA. He was a significant um he had a significant presence in the civil rights movement in, in the United States. And he broke down so many barriers, even in, in the NBA itself. Um, you know, it wasn't just a basketball career for him. I mean, he, you know, he was the ultimate winner. He was an unbelievable person. And, you know, he was not, he was not the Jackie Robinson of the NBA, uh, Earl Lloyd, Chuck Cooper, and Sweetwater Clifton, they came to the NBA in 1950 and integrated the NBA. But he came in 1956, just a few years later, and he was the first legitimate black star in in the NBA. He was the first black MVP in the NBA. He was the first black head coach in the NBA, and he was the first black coach to win an NBA championship in the NBA. He's a Hall of Famer as both a player and a coach. He's in the College Basketball Hall of Fame, the FIBA Hall of Fame. Uh, his jersey, of course, is retired by the Celtics, but was just now, since he's passed, retired by the whole league as it should. I mean, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama uh, for his accomplishments in the civil rights movement. And, you know, when you're reading all these articles about Bill, after he passed, of course, again, they talk about his NBA career, but they just as much as they should talk about his his career and his life off the court. Because again, he came to the league in 1956. I think, think of where America was in 1956. Uh, he dealt with, I, I don't want to say as much as Jackie, but I would say probably just as, you know, if not as much, just almost as much, you know, discrimination as, as Jackie felt, um, you know, coming up through baseball. Uh, there, you know, there's that, the famous story in 1961, his team was scheduled to play an expedition game. The Boston Celtics were scheduled to play an expedition game in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, his, him and his black teammates, they were not served. I believe it was at a coffee shop. They, they, they didn't serve black people back then in that coffee shop. And 
they boycotted that game. They flew back. And back then in 61, that was a lot of controversy around that. You know, he attended when Muhammad Ali got drafted uh, for the Vietnam War. And, and he, you know, didn't, he didn't want to go. That was not, he did not support that. He refused to be drafted into Vietnam. You know, there was the Cleveland summit. He was, Bill Russell was there to support Muhammad Ali in that. He was 32 years old when he did that. And then there's a story I feel like most people know where even when he was in Boston, a place that, again, he won so many championships for, his house was broken into at one point uh, in a suburb uh, of the Boston area, broken into, and everything was destroyed um, in his house. His walls were covered with racist graffiti. Um, that story has always stuck with me, even in his own you know, community. He, he faced... <laughs> I mean, extreme horrors, honestly, that that seem imaginable today. But, you know, back then, that's something he dealt with. So he was doing everything he did on the court, winning a championship almost every year while dealing with that off the court. And, and sadly enough, he had a really complex relationship with the city of Boston, right? He There's a lot of back then and, and even, you know, some remnants today that there's discrimination, racism in Boston. And he, you know, refused to attend his jersey ceremony in 1972 in Boston, um, and, and that relationship was repaired later in life, which I'm really glad to see. They built a statue of him, all that he started coming back to Boston. Cause I think right after he retired, he kind of didn't come back to Boston. He loved the team. He loved the Celtics. He loved Red Auerbach, the, the ownership, but I think he had a really complex relationship with Boston for a very long time that again, was since repaired. So a very complicated life for, for Bill. And he was able to do everything on the court with all that stuff off the court. And honestly, when I think of the civil rights movement in in America, I, of course, think of Martin Luther King first. I think of people like Rosa Parks, Malcolm X. But then I think of like Muhammad Ali, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, like though the athletes of that era played a huge part in that. And Bill was front and center there. And he was very outspoken. And a lot of things he said back then were not popular among, you know, the masses, of course. And, and he still stood up for what he believed in. And, and that's just, again, as important a part of his legacy as is what he did on the basketball court. So he had almost these two entirely different, like he lived, he was 88 years old when he passed. He lived like two full lives and more in terms of what he was doing, the impact he was making on and off the court. So again, when I was reading all this stuff, they covered his NBA career, the winning, they covered all the stuff he did off the court, which is super important. And again, he lived such a big life. There's only so many words you can write in an article where people are going to pay attention no matter who it's about. And everyone kind of covered you know, the championships and then all the great off the stuff court, all, all this great stuff he did off the court and, and as they should. But I guess the thing was when I was reading all this, I was like, you know, they cover on the basketball side, they cover the championships as they should 11 NBA championships in 13 years. No one will ever do it again. It's, it's easy. It's, it's, I can say that. And but I feel like that's what people remember. They remember that. They're like, he was a great defender. He was a great rebounder. He's number two all-time in rebounds. Like, that's the basketball stuff I feel like you remember. But there's so, like, he he played so long ago, right? He was a pioneer in the NBA. 1956, he came in. That's very early NBA. There was not that many teams back then. The Celtics won all those championships. You just think of that, and then you kind of move on to the other stuff. There is so much more to peel back just how great, how all-time great he is. Like, when you make the top list, I feel like Bill Russell, even though he's high up on everyone's list, I hear a lot of people, 
I don't want to say disrespecting him, but they kind of are in terms of where they put him. I mean, I've seen all-time lists where Bill's eight or nine. I've seen him out of the top 10. Um, and, and I'm going to reveal at the very end of this podcast where I have him ranked all time. And it might be a little controversial because I have him, let's just say, very, very high. But I don't think it's controversial if you really look at everything. So what I'm going to do today, again, I feel like if you listen to this pod, you probably, when Bill passed in July, you read all the same articles I did because there were so many out there. And you learned a lot and you learned a lot about his career off the court. I want to dig a little deeper on five areas that I think are super important that I want everyone to remember about Bill. Because again, he played so long ago, I almost feel like he's like a Paul Bunyan. He's 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 a legend, but he's such a legend. It's almost like fol- folklore at this point, right? 11 championships in 13 years doesn't seem real. But I want to peel back some layers on some other parts of his career because I think in terms of how you look at him just as an NBA player, it might help you put in perspective when you're making your all-time list where Bill Russell really deserves to sit. So I got five areas I'm going to dig in slightly today. Um, and I hope you learn something new. That's my goal here, learn something new. Because again, the great Bill Russell deserves all the coverage he needs. And again, I'm doing this a month later, but there should be a we should be talking about Bill Russell all the time. So I don't feel that this is unnecessary to do this. If I was in America when he passed away, I would have done this the next day. Uh, but I've had time to think more about what I want to cover what I want you all to learn. So again, even if you're the biggest Celtics fan, a huge Bill Russell fan, a huge fan of history, I hope I at least give you something else to think about, about the great career of Bill Russell. So we have a great show for you today. Five areas we're going to dig a little deeper on on Bill. Um, And then of course, next week, we'll have a normal episode where I will break down a former player and whether or not they should be in the Hall of Fame. So uh, five quick, not quick, but five kind of deep dives on Bill Russell. Let's go and do it right now. All right. So the first thing I'm going to cover is something I I hear all the time when it comes to Bill Russell and his 11 championships. Uh, I always hear, you know, he played with so many Hall of Famers. Uh, how how like who cares that he won all those championships? Maybe not who cares, but of course he won all those championships. He played with all those Hall of Famers, and that's that's true to a point. Uh, if you look at the rosters and then you count up who's in the Hall of Fame, there are a lot of Hall of Famers. However, there's a couple of things that I think um, are overlooked when that conversation starts. One, yes, the league was small. And, you know, the 1957 finals, which was the first one he won, think of how long ago that was. Over time, like a lot of these guys maybe weren't sure Fire Hall of Famers. Some of his teammates are just getting in now as we look back at like 50 years later, like, well, he has all those championships. We should let him in. I don't think some of these Hall of Famers are how you think of a Hall of Famer today. When you think of a Hall of Famer today, right, you think of KG, you think of Kobe, uh, you think of Tim Duncan, right? That is not really who Bill was playing with. And if anything, I would argue a lot of these Hall of Famers on those Celtics teams are only in the Hall of Fame because they won all those championships. In fact, three of the Hall of Fame teammates Never even made an all-star team. So again, we say, you know, Bill played with four Hall of Famers, five Hall of Famers, six Hall of Famers, seven Hall of Famers. He did do that. But three of those guys never made an all-star team. Casey Jones in the Hall of Fame. Casey Jones is great. He played in eight finals. In those eight finals, he averaged 6.5 points per game. Satch Sanders, another guy in the Hall of Fame, played in eight finals. 
averaged 10.5 points per game in those finals combined. Frank Ramsey, eight NBA finals for the Celtics, 13.5 points per game. All three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. All those guys averaged under 14 points per game on average across all those finals. So think about it. Some of them, it was lower than that. He did have some great teammates like Bob Cousy, um, Tom Heisen, Sam Jones. Sam Jones playing 11 finals with him. Heisen, nine. Cousy, seven. But even those guys, none of those guys over their careers in the finals averaged over 20 points per game. Um, you know, Sam Jones is a five-time All-Star. Uh, Tommy Heinsohn was a six-time All-Star. Bob Cousy's the best player he probably ever played with. He's an MVP in the NBA. He, he deserves all the recognition. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, he played with a lot of Hall of Fame teammates, but a lot of them are really in the Hall of Fame because they got those finals, those NBA finals, those championships. And a lot of that's because of Bill. So I went through all the NBA finals for us that Bill won, 11 finals. And I looked at the the Hall of Famers on the Celtics, but also on the other team, because that's the thing too. Again, they played a long time ago. There's been a lot of time passed for these guys to get in the Hall of Fame later on when you're looking at the, the, you know, the players that played way back when. And all these teams he played, you know, they have multiple Hall of Famers, some of them four Hall of Famers. So yes, the Celtics might've had four or five Hall of Famers, but the team they were playing at Hall of Famers, for instance, 1957 finals. The Hawks, the Land, uh, the St. Louis Hawks back then, they had four Hall of Famers. Boston had five, okay? So four Hall of Famers against five Hall of Famers. In 1959, the Lakers had two. Boston had seven. Okay, that's a huge, just like, that's a huge gap, right? In 1960, the Hawks had three. Boston had seven. In 1961, the Hawks, Hawks are in here a lot losing. Four Hall of Famers. Plus they had Larry Faust, who... Made eight all-star teams, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. So I would say 4.5 Hall of Famers. Boston had eight. 1962, Lakers have two, Boston eight, but really seven. Carl Braun, who's in the Hall of Fame, played nine minutes. That's the thing. Some of these Solix players play like 20 minutes and they're in the Hall of Fame. So take it for what, you're, what it's worth. 1963, Lakers had two Hall of Famers. 64, Warriors had four. 1965, Lakers just won Boston six. So it's a big gap. 1966, Lakers had three, Boston five. 68, Lakers three, Boston five. 1969, Lakers three, Boston five in terms of Hall of Famers. But really in those last two, Boston really had four. Satch Sanders played seven minutes in 68 and 39 minutes total in 69. So again, did Boston have a ton of Hall of Famers? Yes. Did the other teams they were playing have a bunch of Hall of Famers? Yes. And are two or three of those Boston Hall of Famers only in the Hall of Fame because they won all those championships with Bill? The answer is yes. So was Boston probably the most talented team? I would say they were. But by no means were they playing a bunch of scrubs. They were playing teams where four of the five players in the starting lineup were Hall of Famers. And then again, some of these teams even though they only had two Hall of Famers or three Hall of Famers, especially these Laker teams, right? It's, it's Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. Jerry West and Elgin Baylor combined are better than Bill Russell and whoever else you were pairing with Bill Russell. Bill Russell, Sam Jones. Bill Russell, Bob Cousy. Elgin Baylor, Jerry West is a better combo than them. So again, 
I'm not saying Boston wasn't talented. I'm not saying Boston have a ton of Hall of Famers. I mean, they'd eight Hall of Famers one year. That's insane. But what I'm trying to say here is it wasn't this insane mismatch. And again, having one more Hall of Famer than the team they're playing, and that Hall of Famer is a guy who averaged six and a half points per game. I mean, look at Mario Chalmers with the Heat, those two championships in the early 2010s, right? I'm sure his average was around six and a half, eight points. So again, all I'm saying is don't, don't just discredit him for winning some of these championships. They were playing some all-time great teams that just couldn't get past him because Bill Russell was Bill Russell. So that was the first thing I really wanted to hit on. Number two, when we're looking at Bill Russell, from just a historic context, we talk about the 11 championships. <clears throat> and then you can look at other accolades, 11-time All-NBA, 12-time All-Star, four rebounding titles, All-NBA defensive team, first team in 1969, his last year, and then the 11 champ. Okay, so 11 championships, 11 All-NBAs, four rebounding titles, 12 All-Star teams. That's what we look at, Okay. But then you compare him, like when we're talking about the all-time greatest, right? And we're going to get into that at the very end. But those players have an advantage. The, the more recent players, the LeBrons, the Michael Jordans, um, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, because there are awards, accolades that are they have that Bill Russell doesn't have simply because they didn't exist when Bill Russell was playing. For instance... NBA Finals MVP. It's literally called the Bill Russell Award. This MVP award was not around when Bill Russell played. I went back and was very conservative in terms of giving out Finals MVP awards to Bill Russell. I went back through every finals and looked at, you know, who made what impact, who was doing what. And I gave Bill seven MVP finals out of the 11. And I think you can easily easily make a case it would be eight nine possibly even 10 it can't be 11 because in 1969 his final finals he played in and the Celtics won that's the year they actually gave to Jerry West who was on the other team the only time a loser on the opposing team won an MVP finals I don't, it was again it was the first finals I don't think they knew what they were doing nowadays you have to be on the wing team to win it but that was the only finals that was around MVP that was around and he didn't win okay and he was that was the last year of his career so I would say he would at least have seven finals MVPs, if not eight, possibly nine MVPs. And, and we don't have that to lean on today. So if he had at least seven, which is super conservative, he would at minimum have seven. He would have the most finals MVPs in NBA history above Jordan. So I'm going to give Bill now. Now he has seven finals MVPs as well. All NBA defensive teams. The first year they had this team available, uh, it was last Bill's last year in the league. Bill was first team his last year in the league. So in his 13 seasons, I would imagine maybe outside of his rookie year, which he could have possibly made it that year too, Bill would have been on 12 or 13 All-NBA defensive first teams. And then you look at Defensive Player of the Year awards. Again, this award was not given out until 1982-1983 season. Bill led the NBA in defensive win shares 11 of his 13 seasons. 
In his career, he had 133.6 defensive win shares. That's the most ever still in NBA history. That's why we think of Bill Russell as the greatest defender of all time. At minimum, again, very conservative, I would say Bill, since he led the league every year in defensive win shares, and he was on one of the best defensive teams in the league every year, and he was blocking shots in an alarming rate. We'll get to that in a little bit. I would say he would at least have seven or eight. This is very conservative, but there's voter fatigue at some points. I would say seven or eight defensive player of the year awards. So now let's say he had seven. Let's be conservative. Now we're talking about Bill Russell, 11-time NBA champion, five-time NBA MVP, 11-time All-NBA, 12-time All-Defensive First Team, seven Defensive Player of the Year awards, and seven Finals MVPs. So now the guy has the most championships of all time, the most Finals MVPs of all time, and the most Defensive Player of the Year awards of all time. Resume looks a little better with those additional awards, correct? So think about that. And I am being conservative. I can't stress enough I'm being conservative because honestly, it's probably like 10 finals MVPs. <laughs> but I'm going to go seven because Tommy Heisen had some really good uh, years early on, as did Bob Cousy in those 1950s finals. I think the 50 finals MVPs might have went um, to those two. All right, number three, Bill Russell's passing. Again, at the beginning, I said, when you think of Bill Russell, you think of rebounding, you think of defense, shot blocking, and you think of his NBA championships. Scoring, I think people are like, well, he couldn't score that well. Well, the guy averaged 15.1 points per game for his career. He wasn't Will by any means, but he could score. But what gets overlooked so much for me that bothers me is Bill Russell's passing. Bill Russell, to this day, is one of the best passing centers in NBA history. NBA history. As of today, still, he is third all-time in assists by a center, both total and average. He averaged 4.3 assists per game for his career. Third highest average NBA history. Number one's Jokic on the Nuggets today, which is not surprising. The guy's like a point guard. Number two's Will who has 4.4 assists per game, where Bill has 4.3 assists per game. But anyone that knows NBA history knows Wilt kind of near the end of his career when everyone's like, Wilt's selfish, Bill's the unselfish guy. Wilt, Wilt starts just hunting for assists, Russell Westbrook style, leads the league in assists one year with 8.6 per game, which really upped his totals. Now, I don't want, like, that's still extremely amazing. And honestly, anything Wilt put his mind to, he could kind of do. But... I would still say Bill Russell is probably the better passer of the two, and their numbers are extremely close. Bill Russell is also kind of famous for when he would block a shot, he would kind of hit it up the court or, or hit it to a point guard to start a fast break. So Bill Russell probably had a ton of hockey assists too, where he would hit to Kuzi, who would then hit someone, you know, in the, you know, heading toward the basket for an assist. So I would say Bill Russell's up there on the Rushmore of best passing big men of all time. So 4.3 assists per game. Um, I want to call, like, in 1967, he averaged 5.8 assists per game. In 1965, 5.3 assists per game, so well above five in two of those seasons. And in the NBA Finals, his numbers even went higher. In the 1965 Finals, 5.8 assists per game. 62, 5.7 assists per game. 68 Finals, 5.7. 1963, 5.3. And then 69 and 64, about five assists per game. 
He also had five other playoff series with over six assists per game. And to this day, even though the playoffs were much shorter in the 50s and 60s in terms of, you know, there wasn't seven game series. Um, every time they were playing, there wasn't as many rounds. Bill Russell is still 30th all time across all positions in playoff assists with 770. It's really impressive. I feel like it's something we don't talk about enough. And with assists, he had 17 triple doubles in NBA history, 34th in NBA history still to this day, and three playoff tri triple doubles. And this is not factor in blocks, which would probably give him, I don't know how many triple doubles, or we'll get to blocks in just one moment, but 17 triple doubles with points, rebounds, and assists. The last thing I want to mention about the assist part, and this goes for Wilt Chamberlain too, which makes Wilt's numbers even more impressive, is statisticians were not as liberal with assists as they are today. And what I mean by that is I've read a million articles, books about early NBA. To my knowledge and how everyone reports on it, because I was not around in the 50s and 60s, assists back in the day were only scored if you passed to someone and they shot the ball with no dribbling. Like it had to be, you pass it to them and they shoot. There's no dribble. There's no dribble. Even like on a layup, if you pass to him, he dribbles twice and makes a layup today. That would be an assist back then. It would not be an assist. Now, I don't know if this is true for every statistician. Again, every home court kind of keeps assists their own little way, but I've read many times that assists in the fifties and sixties, maybe even the seventies were a lot hard to come by because you literally had to catch the ball and shoot all in one motion. There was no catch the ball, dribble two times in a fast break, and score. So the assist numbers were very conservative back then. So, you know, when Bill is getting five-pointed assists in the 1967 NBA Finals, that could have actually been closer to six, seven, eight assists a game. But that's just, again, I can't, that's not scientific or anything like that. That is just what I've been told from people that, saw the games back then, as well as people that report on it. But I just want to say that for both Will and Bill's passing numbers, very conservative in terms of what those numbers look like. And that goes for everyone that played back then. Oscar, Kuzi, uh, Jerry West, any of those guys, early guys, their assist totals are probably a little lower than they would be if they played in today's NBA. All right. So we've done the... Um, the Hall of Fame teammates. We've done the additional accolades. We've done the passing. Now I want to get to block numbers. A lot of people say Bill Russell is the best player in NBA history. Or I'm sorry. A lot of people will say that Bill Russell is one of the best defensive players in NBA history because of the win shares. But the thing we don't have about Bill is the block numbers. And... I'm someone, you know, I'm a huge geek about all this stuff, but, you know, steals and blocks were not um, tracked until the 73-74 season in the NBA. So, like, we don't know Bill Russell's blocks and steals. We don't know Chamberlain's blocks and steals. Really don't know Nate Thurman during his peaks, blocks and steals, any of those early guys. And I'm always curious, you know, what was happening because Bill and Russell, or I'm sorry, Bill and Wilt were men amongst boys back then. They were just, they were towering over people, especially Wilt. And you see old newspaper clippings where, again, they show how many blocks they had. Or I, I see something on like Instagram or Facebook where it's like, Wilt Chamberlain had 22 blocks in this game. It's like, oh my God. So anyway, we don't really know how many blocks they had. However, 
uh, there is someone online, um, and I found it at fadeawayworld.net. I don't know if it's their work or they found it from someone else, but they went back through newspaper clippings um, and any kind of notes they could find on any time block totals were roughly calculated. Again, they weren't, it's not scientific, but they were calculated. And for Bill Russell, they came up with 135 games where they could find like a newspaper clipping or some sort of note in terms of how many blocks he had that game. And again, it's not perfect by any means. Some of them, it's like the newspaper clipping said, Bill Russell had six blocks in the third quarter. So the guy would just say six blocks for that game because that's all he had. He didn't add anything. He didn't say, oh, he had, you know, 24, six per quarter. It just, for that game, if it said six blocks in the third quarter or whatever, he had six blocks for the game. Some of it said like he had eight blocks against this one player. So he had eight blocks that game. They never got liberal with it. It was super conservative. Whatever the newspaper clipping said, they jotted down. So over 135 game sample, which was very imperfect and very conservative, Bill Russell averaged 8.1 blocks per game for his career. 8.1 blocks per game for his career. If that was accurate, and again, I think that's conservative. If that was across his entire career, 963 games, Bill would end up with 5,874 career blocks, which would by far be first all time. Hakeem Olajuwon has 3,830 blocks. Um, he's first all time. So he'd blow, he'd be uh, 2,000 above Hakeem, first all time, um, which is silly. And again, not perfect, but just even if we, Knock that down to six blocks a game, right? Um, 6.1 blocks. Let's take two blocks off. Let's be even more conservative. That's still, oh, wait, I jumped ahead of myself. The conservative, I'm sorry, my math. This, the 6.1 I just knocked him down to, that's 5,874 career blocks. If I let it be 8.1, what this guy actually calculated, it'd be 7,800 career blocks, which which would almost be double Hakeem. So Bill Russell, right now, we look at his points, his rebounds, his assists, no blocks, no steals. He could potentially have 7,800 career blocks, which would look very silly, just like his rebounding numbers look silly uh, to the average person. Now, the best part about all of this was not only did the spreadsheet do the averages, but he showed me each game what the box score would have been with the blocks. Let me read through some of these games. So apparently on February 7th, 1966, Bill Russell had 15 points, 11 rebounds, and 25 blocks against the Warriors. So that casual 15.11 board, 25 block, triple-double against the Warriors. He also had a 8.17 board, eight assists, 21 block game against the Lakers on February, or I'm sorry, January 10th, 1969. That was his final year in the NBA. That was the final back half of his final year in the NBA, 21 blocks. 1967, he had 12 points, 27 blocks, or I'm sorry, 12 points, 27 rebounds, 20 blocks on December 15th, 1967 against the Rockets. And then he also had a 17 block, 14.19 board performance against the Pistons very early in his career in 1957, November 5th. That's just his second year in the NBA. I listed these four games because the NBA record right now for blocks in a game is by Elmore Smith, 17. 
So Bill beat that record three times and tied it his second year in the league with 17 blocks against the Pistons. What even got me more excited about all of this is it also showed that Bill Russell had at least two quadruple doubles in his career. He had a 15.25 board. Fifth, okay, wait. Let me tell this. Let me go first and then I'll tell this the silliest one. He had an 11.23 rebound, 11 assists, 12 block game on November 8, 1964 against the Cincinnati Royals. So this is one of his quadruple doubles. And then let me, I, I had to stop myself because I forgot this one's the silliest one. So apparently on January, January 26, 1961 against the Warriors, he had 15 points, 25 rebounds, 13 blocks, and then 15 steals for a quadruple double against the Warriors. He only had one assist that game. So he had a, a quadruple double with blocks, steals, rebounds, points, uh, this was probably maybe the only chance someone had to have a quintuple double. Um, only one assist that game, unfortunately. But that's the silliest one. That's only the, the uh, steals popped up in a couple of them too, but nothing as high as 15 steals. That would also be the record for most steals in a game. Um, I think the record's like 11. <laughs> so he beat the record, the steals record there by four. So again, none of these are completely confirmed. These are old newspaper articles but I'm sure they're not that exaggerated. I'm sure they're not giving him, I'm sure they're not miscounting 10 blocks on some of these. I'm sure they're not miscounting five steals. So I'm sure he's in the ballpark of 15 steals that game. I'm sure in that 25 block game, he's in the ballpark of that, which makes it extremely wild. And also in my research, I showed there was an unofficial double, triple, double when he played at San Francisco in college, we had 26 points, 27 rebounds and 20 blocks. So it means he had at least 20, 20, 20 in three categories, a double, triple, double. So again, these numbers are insane. If they kept blocks and steals back then, we would have totals. I mean, if his steals numbers are that high, he might be top five all-time, top two all-time in steals, top two all-time in blocks. And the reason I say top two in both of them is because as much as a freak show that Bill Russell was in all of this, Wilt Chamberlain was right there. And this same person that did the block totals for, for Bill Russell, they did Wilt as well. And Wilt had 8.8 .8 blocks per game, which is actually a little higher than Russell. So just like in rebounds, where Wilt's number one all-time and Bill's number two, I could definitely see Wilt being number one all-time in blocks with Bill Russell being number two and maybe the same in steals. So again, none of this is confirmed. We can't really use this. It's not going to be on basketball reference or anything like that. But when we think of Bill, we can't just be like, oh, he has no rebound, no block tolls, like, or steals tolls, no block tolls. He does. It's just they're all unconfirmed, and they look so silly. I mean, these block tolls, right, 8.1 blocks per game for his career, that's just as silly as Wilt Chamberlain when he averaged 50.4 points per game in 1961-62 season. Or when we look at Wilt and Bill's rebounding totals, and they're averaging 27 rebounds a game. They look super silly, but they happened. And that's why I believe these block totals are probably not that far off. So it's the closest I've come to seeing Bill Russell block totals. They jump off the page just like you would think. And I think in the context of the greatest players of all time, if I said, you know, Bill Russell averaged 15 points per game for his career, 22.5 boards, 4.3 assists, 8.1 blocks, and three steals or something like that. When I'm comparing them to Jordan, Kareem, 
who had blocked holes for most of his career, as well as LeBron Magic, I think I would hang my hat on Bill a little more because I'm like, well, look at those block totals. He has 8,000 blocks over there. But we can't. But we kind of we need to. We need to pay a little more attention. Finally, number five. We all talk about Bill Russell and his 11 championships in 13 seasons with the Celtics, as we rightfully should. That is the all-time dynasty in NBA history and sports history. And it will always be that. And again, the league was super small back then. There's only so many teams. And Bill Russell played with a lot of Hall of Famers. We talked about that. But here's the thing. Bill Russell played basketball other times in his life. And he won on every level. And I wouldn't say as many Hall of Famers in some of these other places he played. The common denominator of all these teams that won with Bill on it was Bill. And I, Bill literally won his entire life. So in high school, in California, plays basketball in California high school, he wins two state championships, okay? Now, to my knowledge, and, and I couldn't find something that was super clear to me, but I believe he didn't even make JV freshman year or something. So I don't know if he had the opportunity to win a state championship junior year. In sophomore year, he might have been on the team, might not have. So I, I'll, I'll just be liberal here and say he could have won a state championship all four years, which I don't think is completely true in high school. But let's just say it is. He won a state championship two of the four years he was in high school. Okay? So two state championships, leaves high school. Goes to play at the University of San Francisco for college. Plays there for three seasons. He wins two championships at San Francisco. So he's two for three there, 1955-1956, back-to-back championships. So now he has four championships in a total of what? Seven years. And again, that's being super conservative on that because who knows if he had all the opportunities in high school to win. Then he goes to the NBA and wins 11 championships in 13 years. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before he gets to the NBA, goes to the Olympics in 1956 in Melbourne, wins a gold medal as the captain of the Olympic team, leads the team in scoring. Oh, Bill Wilson can't score. Leads the team in scoring in Melbourne. And again, this is before there's dream teams. These are college kids playing. He wins the gold. So now he comes to the NBA. He has two state championships. He has two NCAA championships and a gold medal. So he's two for four in high school, one for one in gold medals, two for three at San Francisco. So he is now five for what? Eight lifetime. And then he gets to the NBA and wins 11 championships in 13 years. So for those counting at home, two state, one gold medal, that's three total. Two at San Francisco, that's five, and then 11. So he wins 16 titles. And he played it, and he lost twice in high school, possibly. Once at San Francisco, two in the NBA. Think of, think of that. Think of those numbers there. It was not just Boston. It was every single place he played. Every single place. 21 opportunities. 16 championships. 16 for 21 lifetime in the most liberal way possible of thinking about it. That's pretty damn impressive. 
So those are the five areas I want to just peel a little bit back more on because I don't think we look about them. So now we're talking all-time players. I will do something where I really dive into this. I'm not doing it today. But at the beginning, right, I said Bill Russell, sometimes he's 9, 10 on these lists. These, these lists I see on TV and I just, it's recency bias. It's not knowing history. It really is. It's not appreciating history. Um, when Bill Russell is not in your top five, you can have your own top five. Bill Russell needs to be in your top five. On my personal list, Bill Russell is number two. He's number two. Goes MJ, Bill, Kareem, LeBron. I just lost every LeBron listener I have right there with that. But just hear me out in a few minutes. I'm not spending a lot of time on this. I will do this in the future. I mean, people put LeBron over MJ. So I, again, LeBron is one of the best players of all time. I appreciate everything LeBron does, but just hear me out really quick. So Bill Russell, right? Um, let's just look at that. The high numbers I care about 11 championships, right? I'm not banking everything on that. Cause if it's 11, then he's number one, but he's 11 championships. Let's look at the, the top three guys I'm talking about, right? Uh, the, the top three other guys, we got Michael with six championships. So Bill kills him there. We got LeBron with four championships and then we got Kareem, um, with six championships, right? So we have Kareem with six. We got Michael with six. We got Bill with 11 and we got LeBron with four. And then we have NBA finals MVPs. You know, we got Michael with six. We have LeBron with four. We have Kareem with two. And then we have Bill with, I said, he doesn't have any technically, but I think he has seven, possibly nine. And then you go league MVP, NBA MVP. You got Kareem with six. You got Bill and you got Michael with five. You got LeBron with four. Now, when you look at LeBron and people, again, I'm going to focus on LeBron real quick because everyone is LeBron at two or one, I feel like, these days. LeBron is the most, I would say, he's the biggest marvel in NBA history in terms of longevity, right? Like, him and Kareem played both for a million years, Kareem for 20. LeBron might never stop. And by the end of the day, LeBron's going to have the scoring record. He's you're going to have... 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 assists. I mean, the guy's all time. He's all time. He did it forever. He did it at a high level forever. It's beyond impressive to me. But I guess, and actually, I just looked. LeBron actually does have over 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 assists already. So he already did it. But I guess the thing is, LeBron did it at the highest level and lived up to all expectations his whole career. But when I'm thinking of the things, the again, I'm getting really nitpicky here because we're talking about the all-time greats. The all-time greats. When it comes to championships, LeBron's fourth out of those three other guys, Jordan, Bill, and Kareem. He's fourth when it comes to regular season MVPs to those other three. And when it comes to finals MVPs, if we don't count Bill because they didn't give him out, he's second to Jordan. If we count Bill, he's third. So I just can't put him over. And then when we look at defense, you know, Michael has a defensive player of the year award. 
Kareem at his peak, they didn't have it yet. So he never won it, but his block totals are, I mean, he's four-time block championship champion. He's right up there with uh, Hakeem for most blocks of all time, even though they didn't count his first several years because they weren't counting him yet. He's up there. And then Bill, like I said, he might have seven, eight defensive player of the year awards. And he's the all-time defensive win share leaders. I think LeBron's the fourth best defender out of all of those. And then you even look at, you know, scoring titles, Kareem had two, Jordan had 10, LeBron had one. Like LeBron only led the league in categories twice, where Bill led the league in rebounding four times, blocks it probably at least two or three before Wilt came in. Jordan led the league in steals three times, scoring 10 times. I, I mean, Kareem, again, the four block championships, two scoring, led the league in rebounding once. They all led the league in a bunch of categories. A lot of times LeBron only did it once for scoring, once for assists. So that's why I have him fourth. Again, maybe when LeBron retires, I have an even greater appreciation. But I look at these kind of three things. I look at MVPs in the finals, MVPs regular season. I look at championships. LeBron's insane. All-time talent. I think he's the most talented player in NBA history. And the longevity, all-time longevity, just doesn't put him over the top for that absolute peak winning basketball. That's fair or not fair? I, I, I don't know. But when I was talking about these additional accolades, the reason I want to get here, because when I was talking about these additional accolades of Bill, right, the seven Defensive Player of the Year awards or more, the seven Finals MVPs, the 12 All-NBA defensive teams, when I look at all of that, he starts pushing Jordan for me for number one all time. Like I was having this conversation with my fiance before I recorded. She's like, well, then how is Bill not number one? And it's a good question. It's a really good question. Now I'm a Chicago guy. I'm a Bulls guy. I grew up on Jordan. Jordan will always be my number one. Always. You couldn't talk me out of it. I have a million things I can tell you about it. And I'm not doing it here. A Bill versus MJ. but. When I was really listing all these things, I was like, Bill could be number one. If I'm not from Chicago, I might be making the argument Bill's number one right now. Right? I still have Bill number two. I have Chicago bias all the way. I have MJ bias forever. And I could probably think of a million reasons why I would put MJ over Bill. But when I gave Bill those defensive player of the year awards that he was never able to win because of the time he played, the all defensive teams he wasn't able to be on, the finals MVPs that he would have had. It's, I mean, the argument is there. I'm making the argument for Bill Russell, number one all time. And again, there's plenty of things you can say against him. That's fine. But it's hard to argue with some of these numbers I'm throwing out. He would have, if they existed, they could put on his resume that doesn't exist today. So I'll leave it at that. And I'll do an episode in the future where I do my basketball rush more. And I give all this proper, proper justice because that was a quick and dirty kind of explanation. I want to dive a little deeper there because I don't think I gave LeBron a fair shake perhaps and really outlining why I have him for, um, why maybe I have Bill over Kareem, why Bill's not over MJ. I'll do that all in the future. But just so everyone at home knows my Rushmore, LeBron's on it, but he's fourth. It's Michael, it's Bill, it's Kareem, it's LeBron. That is my Bill Russell tribute podcast. I appreciate you all for listening. I appreciate everyone for bearing with me while I got this up. 
Hope you learned something new today. And if there's anything I did or said that was wrong about Bill, or you don't think I gave the proper perspective or respect, I apologize. I I put a lot of research into this over the last you know couple of weeks as I knew I was going to do this when I got back. I want to do Bill proper justice because I think he was such a significant person in not just basketball history, but just U.S. history, just U.S. history in general, one of the most important athletes we've ever had. Um, and if I didn't, or you think I glaze over something, again, I was trying to get to points of his career that I felt like maybe are overlooked because so many other parts of his big life have been focused on, rightfully so. I wanted to kind of maybe explain some stuff that maybe people don't know about today. So um, Bill Russell, rest in peace, um, thoughts and prayers to his family. Um, the NBA lost a absolute legend, a pioneer. Um, I will miss seeing him around the NBA. Um, and we will never see another player quite like him. We'll never see a winner like him. We will never see someone putting up block numbers like him and Wilt did. And it's um, it's a very it's gonna be a very sad year for the NBA. I'm really glad they retired as number six, just like they did for Jackie Robinson, Major League Baseball. And then for totally different purposes, I would say Wayne Gretzky and hockey. Um, those are the only three jerseys in all the main sports that are retired throughout their whole leagues. And Bill Russell, out of anyone in NBA history, deserves that for both being a pioneer in the NBA, being the ultimate winner in the NBA, and, and just being, again, off the court, a significant, important person in just the history of the U.S., so again, we will have a normal podcast for you next week. I hope everyone has an excellent week. I hope everyone had a great team watching football over the weekend. Uh, and I will talk to you next Monday. Take care.